If you want to see the full video interviews of this podcast, visit yahoonews.com or find us on social media at Yahoo News. I'm Zainab Selby. Welcome to the Through Her Eyes podcast, where I'll explore current news from a woman's perspective. We see the world through her truth, through her defiance, through her grit. This is Through Her Eyes. One of our country's most contentious debates is back in the headlines. Does a woman have the legal rights to have an abortion? There has been a rush by Republican-controlled states to build momentum to overturn Roe v. Wade with a wave of strict anti-abortion laws that are spreading across the country. Cecile Richards became one of the most recognizable figures in politics when she was made the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood. We will never turn our backs on women's right to access safe and legal abortion uh, in America. She left after a 12-year run, but Cecile finds herself back in the news cycle as the abortion debate returns with a vengeance. Reproductive rights are human rights. We're not going to take this lying down. Cecile has also created a new political action committee for women. We are a supermajority, hoping to galvanize for the next presidential election. Join me as we explore the fight for women's rights through the eyes of Cecile Richards. Cecile Richard, welcome to Through Her Eyes. Thank you. Let's talk about your tenure in Planned Parenthood because I feel with a lot of the new laws that are being passed yep. recently, the change of the judicial system yes. at the federal level, at the Supreme Court level, is perhaps threatening a lot of what you accomplished in your last 12 years uh, at Planned Parenthood. How do you interpret what is going on? I actually think it's, it's unlike any time um, in my lifetime. When I was at Planned Parenthood, the threat to Roe seemed a little bit academic, perhaps. Now it's real. I mean, it's real in state after state after state. Your home state of Texas is trying to pass a bill that would make it possible to put women to death for having an abortion. In Alabama, an abortion law that could send doctors to prison for 99 years. Kentucky, Mississippi, and Ohio all signed a fetal heartbeat bill, essentially banning abortions at the first sign of a heartbeat. What do you think about that? I'm deeply concerned, as are a lot of other people in this country. You know, many states now are essentially assuming, with the with the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, that it will be a state-by-state -state decision whether abortion remains safe and legal in the U.S. Uh, and therefore, we're seeing states from Alabama to Georgia to Ohio pass laws that essentially um, completely fly in the face of, of the Roe decision. Iowa will defend its most vulnerable those without a voice are unborn children. The purpose of this bill is really to have a vehicle uh, for the United States Supreme Court, uh, so that should it be ready to do so, uh, it could revisit some of its prior rulings. We must protect life at all stages. We must, we, we must remember our higher calling, and we must remember to work in the days, months, and years ahead. The governor of Georgia signed this abortion ban well, Georgia just happens to be the, the state with the second highest rate of maternal mortality in the United States of America. Maternal mortality is, go, is on the rise. It's the highest of any developed nation. That is a healthcare crisis. So I would like to see Governor Kemp focus on what is a real healthcare crisis in this country. Have you ever seen anything like this before? I will say we've seen 
this kind of attack at the state level before. Mm -hmm. But before there was a federal judiciary in place that really respected judicial precedent, respected the Roe decision. I don't think that's true anymore, but there is enormous alarm in the country. We have a governor that is committed to limiting access and pushing access out of reach for those of us who need it the most. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old. And I'm telling you this because I'm genuinely really scared for women and girls uh, all over this country. When the Roe decision was decided more than 40 years ago, uh, it was in large part uh, in reaction to the fact that young, healthy women were dying in emergency rooms all across the United States. And I think one of the real ironies I see in this political moment is that we're actually at the lowest rate of abortion uh, since the Roe decision. It's not that abortion will go away in the United States. It would simply go underground. And so not only is it terrible healthcare policy, it will put women uh, in danger um, and already does. There are those who are saying now with 4D imaging, fetal monitoring technology, it's actually bolstering the belief that life starts with the fetus. Do you think that it has the science chi is chipping away at the pro-choice arguments? Well, I think it's actually just the opposite. In fact, um, support for Roe and for the ability of pregnant people to make their own decisions about their pregnancies is stronger than it's ever been. And partly because I do think um, more people have information about their pregnancy, and doctors do. Um, people make decisions based on science, based on medicine, based on faith, and I think that should be every person's right. Cecile Richards comes from activist talk, the daughter of one of the first female governors, Anne Richards. Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in high heels. Women learn that when we aren't at the table, we're on the menu. So it's no surprise that in the midst of a pivotal time for women, she has set up a super PAC and has linked up with progressive allies. Alicia Garza of Black Lives Matter and Ijean Poo of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. They call it the supermajority. Supermajority is a new organization for women who want to build our collective power and use it to change this country for good. Tell us why this organization and why now? One of the things I think is surprising to a lot of people is that there obviously were um, you know, historic numbers of candidates in our last elections in the U.S. We had the most women, most women of color ever elected to Congress. But women were also 54% of the voters um, in November. Women now um, contribute almost as much as men do in terms of political contributions to campaigns. Women are not a special interest group. We're actually the majority of Americans. And if passed this prologue, if 54% of the voters are women in the next election, I think we have a very good chance that this country will change political direction. And that's very powerful. Is that one of your goals in, in terms of the supermajority is to get women to the voting pool? Absolutely. So let's fast forward to the mm -hmm. 2020 election. Mm -hmm. What needs to happen for you to feel successful? I mean, you know, our goal is to have 2 million women, actually, who have been educated, organized, connected, kind of moving up that ladder of civic engagement. And then they have really have a chance to turn out other women to make sure that women go and vote and that they know what, what the stakes are and what the, what the positions of the candidates are. I think one of the things that's also important, though, is, as we've seen, many of the women running for president are raising up important issues. We 
are not paying our teachers their value. Senator Kamala Harris talking about the importance of raising teacher salaries, because three quarters of teachers, of course, are women. I think it's important, though, to know not just where do the women stand on these issues, but where do the men running for president stand? I do think that's an opportunity that supermajority has is to say, these are issues that are directly related to the future of this country and the ability of everyone to participate. But the question for me is, Republican women, let's say, would they be attracted to that? Do they have room in this initiative to say, I can too become part of this initiative and that part sure. of this organization? I mean, if they support women's rights, absolutely. For a long time in the US, we were in this sort of binary that you either were pro-choice or pro-life. And the truth is that's not how people live their lives in sort of political terms. People have their own lived experiences, whether it was an unintentional pregnancy, someone who would be picketing out one day and bring their daughter in the next and say, you know, this just happened, or whether a much-wanted pregnancy went, went wrong um, and was unsustainable. And so I think there is a false a dichotomy that these are actually partisan issues. Uh, and I think there is a real opportunity with supermajority to have conversations that cross party lines. And in fact, to say, you know, frankly, the political system writ large isn't being too friendly to women. And that's really a fundamental reason why women need to organize together um, to kind of not only resist policies they don't agree with, but frankly, build the kind of country that we want to live in together. going to avoid some of the pitfalls of other organizations, like the Women's March, with the complexities of intersectionality and the division that it created within the women's movement itself? Well, I mean, I guess I'd say any big movements, there are always going to be complexities. So I don't want to say that it's going to be easy. But all the people involved in this started as organizers. And the other thing is we have, uh, and this is not at all to compare this um, to the Women's March, they have done heroic work here. Um, but we also absolutely explicitly from the beginning want this to be both multiracial and intergenerational. You know, women are not a monolith in the United States. We know that a lot of women have different opinions on different issues. But uh, the idea of supermajority is we were absolutely values driven around women's equality. That, you know, um, so it may not be for all women. So I don't begin to say that a supermajority in and of itself is enough to turn this country around. But I do believe women are the most powerful political force in the United States. And uh, it's exciting to think that we might be able to act like that. Cecile Richard, it's a pleasure to be in conversation. Good to see you again. Thank you. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through Her Eyes. For more thought-provoking interviews, subscribe to our podcast. You can also watch the full video interviews on yahoonews.com.